0: People are gonna be writing about us for the rest of our lives for really, me, and after we're dead. So I intend to either confuse the issue so much they never knew what was going on, or to try and keep shoving out bits and bits. So as whoever is bothered to be looking at it in the future, the people that really know will sort out, You know, they'll know what was going on a bit. There's a lot of books about the Beatles, a lot of theories, and I try not to read them. And Whatever I do, the first thing is like, oh, that's wrong. Everywhere you go, trying to find out any little bit of dirt that they can write about you. Beatles is Beatles are Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what people say. You can't live all your life by what they want. Another Kind of Mind. A different kind of Beatles podcast by Another Kind of Mind. you've got mail hello everyone welcome to another kind of mind today's episode is going to be a little different the first of its kind in fact we're going to be answering listener mail today specifically from tumblr for those who don't know tumblr is an active creative mostly fandom oriented social media site our listeners there tend to be well informed resourceful not beholden to any particular established narrative, and of course, like all fans, very opinionated. <laughs> yeah, the demographics also tend to skew younger there than on sites such as Twitter and Facebook, which is why several of these questions have to do with <laughs> sex. <laughs> sex, you know, I'm kids like- today sex, sex, sex with them. <laughs> Not like the Beatles, they were chased, as we all know. <clears throat> yes. Pillars of upstanding morality. Their bodies were a Pure. temple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Most trashed, graffiti-ridden <laughs> temple. <laughs> Bombs gone off inside. <laughs> Tumblr has an anonymous ask function, which is used quite a bit. Mm. We unfortunately don't have time to write up thoughtful answers to these questions, which is pretty stressful. Like, mail (laughs) just in general makes me anxious. We want to answer them, but then the thought of writing out coherent answers is overwhelming. But talking, (laughs) especially to Phoebe, makes me feel happy and not stressed so we kind of we put two and two together there yeah and we thought it just might be easier and more fun frankly for us to answer a few of these verbally this way we can share them with everybody including the large portion of our audience which is not on tumblr yeah this is going to be a shoot from the hip no frills edition of acom our answers will be candid Mm, and a little off the cuff however before we get started if you have sent us an ask in the past and you get to the end of this episode and we haven't answered it it's probably for one of the following reasons number one we've already answered a similar question on tumblr already two you were being rude or trollish (laughs) number three your ask was kind of random like perhaps a question about a source or a fact we have not mentioned in the podcast so it doesn't really have anything to do with us we do tend to skip those just because our time is finite and we like to stick to the topics of the podcast four and this is the big one uh we perhaps feel that your question was actually addressed in the episode you are responding to or that an answer was provided in the source list in the show notes, which we always include. We do love listener engagement, but we're not a Beatles library. We have done the research that we've done, and if you want more context for, for example, a quote we've pulled out of a book or whatever, we encourage you to check out the source list and track down the information you desire. Yes, that said, if we're missing a source in the notes, we appreciate having that pointed it out so we can add it in and we never mind getting asks to that effect. And number five, perhaps if we don't answer your ask, it's because we actually plan to answer in writing on Tumblr. So stay tuned, especially if you've written us a, a long, thoughtful question and, and we don't answer in this episode. That's probably what's going on. We answer about 40 asks in total. Some of these are actually quite old questions that we've been meaning to answer for a long time. Again, we're sorry that it's taken us so long. We, we prioritize making the podcast because we are a podcast. Yeah, I, I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Not because I don't appreciate listener engagement, but because doing this is the fuck ton of work already it is a fuck ton of work it's and unlike phoebe i'm not a brilliant energetic stallion <laughs> like phoebe what? i am a little creeping shrew <laughs> <laughs> what i live in slow motion <laughs> wow prize winning that's blue ribbon <laughs> gate jumping dressage <laughs> yeah phoebe is the workhorse let's not let's not surprising no one probably (laughs) thanks for that the weird turn that this is taking (laughs) so here goes nothing anonymous asked hey acom out of curiosity are there any opinions that you had about john and paul that you've changed your mind about or revised since watching get back personally i was definitely pretty bowled over by how attuned john was to paul's uh to paul's anxiety and how he Mm -hmm. you know tried to massage and and uh facilitate paul i definitely agree with that that was striking Mm -hmm. which absolutely makes a lot of sense of Paul's insistence that John was at his heart, you know, at his best, yeah, a very sensitive sweet person and kind and sensitive person, yeah, definitely. We did see a lot of that and get back, and I, in general, found it interesting and good to see how much attention John was paying to Paul, basically all the time to be honest, that was really the only thing the the George and Paul tension was about what i expected yeah um you know i would say in general i was surprised at how much fun john was having Mm -hmm. not in episode one but like in episode two it was definitely kind of surprised at how sweet and happy and upbeat he was i understand that it wasn't like that all the time and that that was selectively edited but it was still real peter jackson didn't make it up so even though it wasn't all the time it was still legit i guess i was a bit surprised to see paul climbing the walls as much as he was yeah he really was yeah like i i've always thought of paul as being you know Uh, fidgety, nervous, uh, having anxiety spirals, bouncing off walls frequently.
1: But But not literally.
0: (laughs) 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 I mean, a little bit, because, because there are, there are plenty of photos of him being like, how did he, how did he get up there? He must have, he would have had to work real hard to get up into that perch. Um, but I guess I, I thought he was better at covering it. Mm. because because the people that know him don't talk about him in those terms so that that uh, n- the more i think about it that was surprising that it well, was so obvious maybe that's because they sense that paul's a little n- neuro atypical or whatever so that it's maybe they don't comment it on it because it's yeah. awkward or maybe they f- they think it's rude to talk about it sure yeah I that, mean, that could be ringo did write in his book that paul can't sit still yeah but that's putting it about as mildly as you possibly could yeah sometimes paul would climb onto my head for no reason like a cat anything i really revised not really i don't really think so i mean look i've (laughs) long since believed that paul and john are deeply enmeshed I did think that already going into Get Back, but it was gratifying to see and to know that others were going to see it as well. For sure. The sheer level and frequency of John making glittery anime eyes was, was surprising. <laughs> right, yeah. I knew, that, I knew that side of him existed, but I didn't know it was everywhere all the time that much. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Anonymous asked, I was thinking of George and Paul's relationship in the 1970s, and I know that George says that he didn't really know Paul throughout that decade. In your opinion, after How Do You Sleep, do you think it was a matter of George ignoring Paul or Paul ignoring George or them both ignoring each other? (laughs) George was never asked about his role in the song and as far as I know he was never sorry. So I'm basically wondering how mad or upset Paul was and if he actively pushed away from George, what do you think? Well, I just just I just want to say first off that I'm uh I'm not familiar with the quote where George says that he didn't really know Paul throughout that decade. I'm not disputing it, I just I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of the quote where George says that Paul had invited him to a party. I think it was a launch party for one of for mm-hmm. maybe Venus and Mars. Yep. Um, and that George didn't go because he, you know, he doesn't like big parties. And he said, Who wants to meet an old friend that way? Which I completely absolutely identify with i am extremely george coded there i don't like parties i like intimate um small intimate gatherings um but to me that says that that they were not getting that 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 was sort of a one-off um on the other hand to me it kind of I don't know it's kind of a dick move a little bit I don't know if George meant it as a dick move but to say in public Paul invited me to something that I didn't want to go wasn't the invitation wasn't good enough for me I mean I I don't think that's what he meant but it kind of comes off that way well maybe he was saying maybe that was his way of saying hey Paul I did I mean it'd be obviously it would be classier for him to say this one-on-one instead of to the paper but maybe he was trying to say paul the reason i didn't show up was just because i felt uncomfortable yeah it's not that i didn't want to see you it's just i i didn't want to go to a party um yeah definitely suggest that george wants greater intimacy intimacy with paul not less and by the way i fully relate to paul on this matter (laughs) i would much rather (laughs) see everybody in a party Uh, (laughs) because you have multiple escape routes (laughs) which is very very helpful (laughs) (laughs) well that that's the other thing i was thinking is like well george maybe paul needs to you know put his toe in gradually with you yeah maybe he is i don't know hurt and angry about klein and how do you sleep and all the bad stuff that went down between you so maybe he's not ready for a one-on-one get together with you just a thought if you're trying to repair your relationship after an enormous traumatic rupture it absolutely makes sense that you might want some people some uh, substances uh, there as a buffer the first few times yeah as far as like how mad upset paul was and if he actively pushed away from George, I mean, uh, you know, you're asking how upset Paul was about how do you sleep? Like, I think he's pretty fucking mad. Like, I think it's yeah. kind of one of the worst things that ever happened to him in his life. I don't think I'm exaggerating that at all. I, I think it would be the one of the worst things that happened to anybody in anybody's life. Yes. So, yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's pretty bad. Um, I think it would be... Hard to repair a friendship after that. I don't know how much Paul was courting George or vice versa. Um I'm guessing not a ton. Yeah, on whose part or on either part. On I I would say on either part. I think they're at kind of just like they're I think they're pretty cool on each other in the 70s. Yeah, I mean that said, Alan Steckler says George told him one reason they fired Alan Klein was because quote the only way the Beatles can get together again is if Alan isn't there I'm ready to do it so is Ringo and I think we can persuade John to go along with it but if we're going to with Paul we need to get rid of Klein. What in the fuck? The wolves I know so that is a quote from Peter Doggetts you never give me your money. There's a great quote from Paul it's a later era quote like maybe 90s or aughts where he says uh he goes let's put it this way there was never a time where all four of us wanted to do it (laughs) yeah and i've and i've heard people like (laughs) be skeptical about that it's like i it really does seem to be the case i think probably ringo always was down for it I, i think he'd be the least difficult to persuade but yeah but it is striking for george i would never work with paul again Pearson, i'm ready to do it so is ringo i think we can persuade john to go along with it that's interesting because i don't know anyone who would say that george was more gung-ho on re- reuniting than john was ever but uh, i don't know i think well it, yeah but sometimes i think he was i think paul always wants peace this is my opinion i think paul always wants peace with everybody part of that is a uh, professional and part of that's personal it's weird to me that people think that's weird you know <laughs> people um they do like people talk about that as if it is a criticism of paul you know like oh he just doesn't want people to be mad at him or whatever like well who wants fucking enemies out there <laughs> like what <laughs> even if there's bad feelings between george and paul it behooves them both to get along in public like there's nothing wrong with Paul not wanting George to trash talk him that's a normal yeah. thing it is not it doesn't make Paul anything but at the same time i could see where george is like you don't even want to be my friend you just want me to not trash talk you in public
1: <laughs> which yeah, exactly. i could
0: i could see if george is like fuck you paul if you you want to actually talk about like our actual friendship and how it actually fell apart in the late 60s and we can talk about that sometime if you want to get real but until Mm -hmm. then fuck off like that's a fine position to have that's what i that's how i imagine george feeling you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's valid but at the same time just try to keep it together in public (laughs) you know bite Mm -hmm. your tongue every once in a while if you if you don't have something nice to say just say no comment if they want to be friends, then I support them being friends. If they don't, I think that's fine, too. I think it's fine if they're just like, whatever, we aren't friends anymore. It's too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll you know. always love each other like family, but maybe we don't 100% like each other all the time. That's fine. Some people you see once a year at Thanksgiving, and that's plenty. They seem like the, uh, the annoying cousins. To each other. Yes. They're yeah. like, I would die for George, however... He's such a self-righteous asshole. He's like Paul. Fucking drives me up a wall. Don't get yeah. me wrong. He can have my kidneys, but right. <laughs> he's so irritating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I often think of them as, uh, and this, as sort of their relationship as being sort of like Fraser and Niles Crane from <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pretty good, it's pretty good. <laughs> That's hilarious because George is Niles. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I will will certainly never uh watch Frasier the same again. <laughs> okay. If it ever comes on. <laughs> You've definitely yes. made it more interesting to me now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Anonymous asked. I saw Paul in concert yesterday in Fort Worth. He introduced the song here today as a song written for John about how he wished he could have said, I love you to him. He said that, quote, Northern Englishmen just didn't do that back then. Do you think this implies that John said, I love you to Paul, and this makes Paul believe that he hurt John by not reciprocating? If it wasn't in the culture of Northern Englishmen, I wonder why this would haunt him as a deep regret unless he senses he failed john okay oh, yeah. and then we got a second note from anonymous anonymous asks, i just posted a question post fort worth concert about whether john did not tell paul how he felt expressively and directly the regret in the song here today and in interviews from paul makes it seem like he has guilt about not expressing it but that culturally it would have been strange in the song this one he wrote." did you ever take me in your arms look me in the eye tell me that you do did i ever open up my heart let you look inside this makes me think john didn't open up to paul you have hit upon a very interesting issue anon i have to say because i i think about this all the time as well because how many times has paul talked about john having armor uh having a front having bluster having bravado he talks about that aspect of john more than other people i th- i feel mm. but i don't so that could either be because paul wants to emphasize that more for whatever reason which would yeah. be fair or john was in some ways less open with paul than he was with other people mm. which would be interesting so so either either possibility is interesting and hurts my brain a little bit. But maybe 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 by armor Paul is talking more about John's lashing out. Cause when I hear armor, I think of like, you know, stoicism. hmm Me too. Which is not that didn't hurt actually he used that he used that example once he said he's kind of guy where if you if you hit him in the eye he'd say that didn't hurt yeah which is which is interesting i can definitely see john doing that some of the time but most of the time (laughs) i feel like john is so sensitive i feel like he, he doesn't take well to being hurt by the people he loves yeah well i guess it depends on who's doing the attacking i guess maybe paul meant if some rando says something mean oh that's true yeah that could be so i have a couple thoughts so to that specifically i'm thinking he could be talking about intimate things that we're not privy to and that he's not saying directly so meaning like in other words john told me that he liked me in a million ways without saying the words you know Mm -hmm. so it could be something like that that. and that was good enough for me yeah exactly because i don't like to talk about things right But (laughs) maybe that wasn't good enough for john and if so i regret not giving him what he needed yeah so and then the other thing is that like in terms (laughs) in terms of this whole like wait he said that they got drunk and said they loved each other but then he also says here like tell people you love him didn't isn't wait isn't the moral of the story to say you love each other but didn't he just say that they loved each other like i've seen people get confused about that i think this is a case of overthinking right here you know i think he didn't say it enough yes yeah 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 i think the point of that story is they got drunk and they shared their true feelings for the first time and it made him cry and what like it was a big deal it's a big thing okay but i mean i don't know paul mentioning it in here today i always get the impression that he's saying like like he's calling john out that's what i think he's saying don't pretend like like i know i know because i was there you know yeah yeah so i know how you felt really and it's not it inc- can inconsistent if he's saying, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the done thing for northern men of my generation to say, "I love you." That's totally consistent with him having to be drunk to say it that time. Yeah, he's just explaining why it was difficult, why it wasn't something that he could. It wasn't a conversation he could have in normal daylight. Yeah, and you know, and vice well, versa. According to Paul, they, at least, you know. Yeah, they were best friends for for ten years saying i love you once could very easily be seen as wildly inadequate yeah if paul even said it at all some people aren't good at verbalizing yeah their feelings it's not uncommon yeah but i also feel like paul thinks it's not a good excuse like (laughs) exactly well he wouldn't be apologizing yeah and i definitely take the point when people say it wasn't it wasn't just about being a, a northern man paul like that's <laughs> i'm sure that has something to do with it but you're also very special if john says it and verbalizes it to paul then paul might be like oh w- uh, uh, you know vomit you know like, you know, just have, like <laughs> no fucking clue how to react to that So I think that's as likely as anything else. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) John says, I love you. (laughs) All barfs on him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's when the breakup started. (laughs) There's that um, story from Astrid in the Ray Coleman book where she says, John... I know that John loved Stewart and he when he got drunk he would tell me, you know, that uh, I, he loves me and he loves Stewart. Mm-hmm. But he, for some reason he just couldn't put his arm around Stu and say, "Hey, I love you, man." Like he couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So mm-hmm. if John is saying that to to Astrid in 1962 or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's something that he knows right? This is a regret yeah. that he had with his friend who died who he never got to say that to because yeah. it was awkward or because he's a northern Englishman or it's just not like they just don't know how to do those types of things. Yeah. So yeah. So if that's something that John can verbalize, albeit drunk, in 1962 to me it doesn't seem far-fetched that in 1964 he's like, I love Paul, I should say it to him now while he's alive. Sure right so he, they mm-hmm. get drunk he says that to paul paul cries because he doesn't know how to react right yeah and then and then john cries because paul's crying and you know maybe paul never got the words out but he had to he had oh. to tell himself that john knew well that's true or maybe he did get the words out but it's just but like I say, if you if you're married to someone for twelve years, saying it once or twice or a few times over those twelve years, it's easy to look back on that and say, "I should have said it more." Oh, I should for have sure, said it a lot more. Paul also has that famous story of he'd take the glasses down and say, "It's only me, I love you." So it does. It. So my impression is that it was something that John could say from time to time. Mm-hmm. And then again paul a couple times paul said you know while john was alive in interviews that he loved john so that's true so he can s- say it at least to the paper exactly which might mean something or it might mean nothing but might be um residual guilt about not telling him to his face yeah that's maybe yep. that's the best paul could do i don't really know and i don't think we're gonna get an answer to this to appreciate people while they're here is the mm-hmm. is the whole point so i don't think we can necessarily construct to the moment what happened well definitely and especially if his purpose with that story is to exhort other people to tell people they love him the more emphatic he is about it the better right exactly i only ever told john i loved him four times so people tell the people you love more than four times that you love them (laughs) You, you know what i mean like no he's gonna say listen you will regret it if you don't say it say it i love that moment in this one though that's so so good goes Mm, up an octave he's like okay i know i didn't do it enough but what about you i didn't feel loved enough by you either yeah yeah and that is definitely a you know i i take the point that like this song could also apply to linda but that's the one part i think that do- doesn't because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he would ever accuse linda of not appreciating <laughs> saying i <him>. do <laughs> yeah yep okay moving All on right, moving on some of these are not anonymous asks however just in case people don't want us to read their handles on air because we didn't take the time to double check with everybody we're just gonna say a listener instead of reading people's names on air just to be on the safe side so we have three asks in a row from a particular listener we're just gonna call this person a listener you know who you are you know who you are yeah exactly (laughs) so hello thank you for listening a listener asked something you said in a previous post intrigued me in the decade since 1980 this was daphne's being quoted here in the decade since 1980 paul has talked about john and to john so do you think paul really talks to john in his head love the podcast well thank you um in that particular at that particular time i was talking about the way paul talks to john in his songs Mm -hmm. but yeah I I think he probably also talks to John in his head. He said as much. Yeah, a couple And couple as well. And Linda <laughs> mm-hmm. and George. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's it's a pretty normal thing for people to do. Yeah, I agree. Do you think Paul remembers John? I mean, he's led a whole other life after the Beatles. It must seem like another lifetime to Paul. Your thoughts? I well think he does. <laughs> I definitely think he does well. first of all, I think he can't not remember him because he sees him constantly this past year. He just saw a bunch of footage he's never seen of the two of them together, so that's interesting and weird and crazy and hard to imagine. I'd definitely take your point that he's led a whole life after the Beatles. I mean, I, I definitely like, and Paul's been close to a lot of people since since then, um but yeah like i said i mean john is is not just like a very important part of his life and a big relationship in his life and basically like his first husband um Mm -hmm. there's pictures of him everywhere and film of him everywhere and his music is everywhere (laughs) yeah and they did a lot of work together that's that's still very popular so it's hard mm -hmm. to even imagine i don't think i don't think paul could ever forget him it's impossible well, besides which, they knew each other during late teens and early 20s, which is like the, that's true. You know, the high watermark of <laughs> being able to remember things. Yeah. <laughs> so most people, that, most old people that you talk to, their most, usually their most potent memories are from. That's, that's true. You know, those, those are pretty indelible. That's a great point it's a great point it's when you it's when you age listeners and years start going faster and faster That, i don't know ain't that the shit truth. starts to happen with the brain ain't the truth ain't that the truth so paul losing his mother at 14 you know he's gonna have a, a i think a much harder time remembering his mother definitely he's talked about that actually like do i remember her or do i really remember her you know Stories of exactly. her, exactly. But you know that's what it, that sort of that kind of gets into the idea of like what actually is memory, which is a very interesting conversation in and of itself. Um, you a little know, above our pay grade. Li- yeah, a little above our pay grade, but <laughs> don't go off on stupid tangent. No, you're right. Okay. <clears throat> Listen, I love your tangents, but no, you're right. <laughs> what is what is the meaning of memory? what do you think about the Linden estate posting something on july 6th but paul ignoring it just would like your thoughts thanks and also I i forgot to add has paul to your knowledge ever posted anything on july 6th thanks i don't really have any thoughts about that sometimes paul posts on uh or you know paul quote-unquote sometimes his people post on anniversaries and sometimes they don't um i feel the same way i don't really have any thoughts at all on i i don't take their social media seriously yeah um especially not paul's i mean ringo he you can tell ringo tweets himself absolutely you know, that ringo's tweeting that so far and away the best beetle twitter yeah for sure so like if, if Ringo tweets something I assume that that's him doing it aside from his essay about the queen I don't think Paul ever has much involvement with his with his social media well I, yeah exactly I think so like occasionally I think Paul does tweet or put things in his own words he definitely has a team or a person who does that stuff for him so mm-hmm. I don't Think he has a lot of input in terms of things he needs to tweet. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's somebody else's job. But I feel like, for instance, like on George Harrison and John Lennon's birthday, like Paul will say, okay, how about this? Blah, blah, blah. And then they'll (laughs) tweet it. You know, I feel like he is at least marginally involved in those things. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah okay anonymous asked not to be needy but i need a 15 hour series on the early (laughs) days please (laughs) Aw, that is very very kind of you anon i need that i need that too i do too yeah that might happen yeah that could be fun that's something about yeah no plans but but i'd love it so might be out there for you yeah. Keep listening, Anon. <laughs> we gotta definitely have a few other plans first. It's not impossible. It's not. Anonymous asked, Thanks a million for the Pizza and Fairy Tales series. What an epic tragedy. There is a real Baroque Back Mountain quality to John and Paul's story. Two men who were soulmates at a time and place when men being soulmates to each other was not acceptable. One wonders. If in the back of his his closet, Paul has two beetle jackets tucked into each other on a hanger, like the two plaid shirts tucked into each other at the end of Brokeback Mountain. I'm assuming that's a metaphor. Now I know why I used to cry buckets whenever I listened to Little Lamb Dragonfly off the Red Rose Speedway vinyl as a kid. I I always wondered why there was so much pain in that song and what could possibly make Paul that unhappy if he was supposedly blissfully happy with his wife and kids now i know that it's from the midst of the breakup and it's at least partly about john so that pain i perceived is very raw and very very real and of course if you look at the wikipedia page for the song you see jean jackets denying it's about john typical you guys deserve some sort of podcast award for the depth of research and sensitive handling of difficult subject matter in that series well, thank you very much, Anon. We appreciate that. Yeah, that's very kind of you. And we're super glad you enjoyed the Pizza and tales series. Absolutely. Thank you. And smart little kid you for sensing all that raw pain in Little Lamb Dragonfly. It's a very powerful song. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to be fair, uh, that's just our interpretation of Little Lamb Dragonfly. We don't know anything... Else than what is already known about that song. Paul has never confirmed that it's about John. No. At all. Yeah, no, I don't think he said anything about that that I'm aware of. I don't think he's Mm -hmm. ever mentioned anything about it being about John. Yeah. It's just that's just my take based on the timing of when the song was recorded and some of the emotions that we know Paul was going through at that time. So. You know, again, not saying necessarily that it is literal. I know I say that a lot, but I I still feel like I need to say it every time. Just that I don't think that Paul necessarily writes literally. And I also don't necessarily think he sits down and says, okay, I'm going to write a song about my father now. Mm. Or how I disappointed myself in this particular situation or whatever (laughs) it is that you know you use your art to do i think he just Mm -hmm. writes about things that are going on inside him Mm -hmm. so that's my interpretation of the song if it resonated with you i'm very pleased to hear that and thank you in terms of paul having any hidden Beatles things at the back of his closet i think the answer is definitely (laughs) yes except they're not hidden they're not <laughs> they're on display or they're in a box in his attic or they're in a box in his barn full of memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> or they're in his pocket at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take take your pick. I loved that part in, in that George Martin special where they were talking about the lights that they brought in to studio 2 for at- atmosphere. They were talking about how stupid and janky they were. And and then George Martin's like, I wonder whatever happened to them. And Paul's like, yeah, I I have them. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do, Paul. Of course you do. (laughs) Yeah, and just to be clear, I really do genuinely think Paul was happy with his wife and kids. I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. And that is something, again... That we've tried to emphasize on this podcast um you know loving john does not mean that he's unhappy with his wife and kids so he very much wanted his wife and all those kids so and they very much are a source of pleasure and and fulfillment and happiness for him so i don't ever like to see those things um pitted against each other Mm -hmm. yeah good point yeah not that that's necessarily what you were doing exactly exactly i'm not trying to accuse you of anything i'm sure that it was not intended in a bad way and just very i'm very sensitive about you know any sort of biphobia so i just want to be clear whenever that sort of issue comes up just squash it immediately i don't think (laughs) that that's what's going on yeah okay next listener asked I have a question about your pizza and fairy tale series. At the very end of episode five, one of you said, <laughs> "I think it was you, Daphne." Um, <laughs> one of you said that we don't know if John and Paul were lovers in the classic sense, and if not, it might worry John. Parentheses: He didn't feel that he and Paul were a thing, but elsewhere you have recreated John's statement that love and sex do not have to go hand in hand because he experienced both love without sex and sex without love. How do you combine these two mutually exclusive attitudes? Well, maybe his statement about enjoying sex without love and vice versa was made on a good day. And then on other not so good days, he would have regretted not going all the way with paul whatever that might have meant to him yeah and also maybe excuse me um well and also he said sometimes they go together and sometimes they don't and he says Mm -hmm. he's had both he didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily say he was satisfied without well that's true that's true yeah Mm -hmm another possibility maybe he wasn't talking about paul i mean he could have been talking about other women in his life that he was friends with Mm -hmm. or men for that matter that he was friends with but he or that he loved but Mm -hmm. he wasn't sexually interested in them yeah so and of course those things of course that's true everybody has people they love but don't have sex with (laughs) yes they do yeah well hopefully and i mean i guess maybe not everybody has sex without love but most people do at some point Mm -hmm. so that's just kind of a truism sometimes there's love without sex and sometimes there's sex without love yeah that doesn't mean that every single relationship you're always going to be completely satisfied with whatever ratio of those two things happen to be in that relationship you can still wish you had a little bit more of one or the other i guess listener if your question is do we think that john was unsatisfied with the paul relationship because it wasn't physical and if so why did it have to be physical then i guess that's a different question um and i mean we don't know that that's 100 percent the case but there's Mm -hmm. lots to suggest that that was the case (laughs) yeah but even if it was the case i would definitely think that ultimately john's main regrets are emotional i agree Uh, yeah yeah we spent quite a bit of time going into john's uh long to lifelong longing to live with his friends yeah and so i think I think, if anything, that probably would have been a bigger disappointment. Yeah, I mean, in that Sandra Shivi quote, he does talk about, like, the physical closeness. Mm-hmm. Like, the examples that he used were being held and holding hands. Yes. So, I think that's important, and that's something that he, uh, uh, meaning, like, I don't think the deal breaker was paul we have to have sex or i can't be (laughs) your friend anymore you know right right but it might it might have been like i need a little bit more you know like sometimes i need to be held and Mm -hmm. and we do have i mean out of john's mouth that if he had that then maybe that they could have continued on yeah well what's kind of funny and i have you know there's no way of knowing how meaningful this might be but it's it's kind of amusing that that uh But john is talking about those you know more tender affectionate things being held having his hair stroked when he's sick yeah that's so that's the main thing and then he says i mean maybe if i was a homosexual we could have had a homosexual relationship and by default (laughs) if we were fucking there would have also been holding and hair stroking which Mm. is the main (laughs) point the main thing that i felt was (laughs) lacking Sort of, yeah, curious. maybe oh, you can only ask your boyfriend to do that, you can't ask your right. friend to do it, mm-hmm. or you could ask, but you might not get it, yeah. And I assume by homosexual relationship, that's what he means, like, yeah, a boyfriend, yeah. Anonymous asked, Did John Lennon have anorexia or bulimia after he lost the weight from his 1965 fat Elvis period, as he called it? He was on heroin, among other things but even in 1980, he seemed so gaunt and prematurely aged. I wonder if he continued to have food issues or ate too sparsely slash ultra lean orthorexia. My opinion is that yes, John Lennon absolutely had an eating disorder that was, as is almost often the case, was sometimes more of a problem in his life and sometimes less of a problem. I've seen arguments that say, well, because John was sometimes at a healthy weight and would sometimes eat in public or be Mm -hmm. enthusiastic about eating, then that means he couldn't have had an eating disorder. But that's not true. We don't have any evidence that John exercised excessively or that he purged, but I'm pretty sure every other single biggest symptom of eating disorders John exhibited at one time or another. What comes to mind right away are some anecdotes from May Peng about John staring at food porn when he was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then being inordinately excited about being able to fit into her jeans that he lost enough weight at one point and he could wear her jeans and thought that was the best thing ever. To me, in my experience, definitely indicates disordered eating. Um, I think there's plenty, plenty to back that up yeah i agree with that i mean with the usual disclaimer that we cannot diagnose any celebrity yeah i would agree with daphne i think he probably had an eating disorder i mean a lot of people suffer from eating disorders they're not super uncommon (laughs) excuse me and a lot of beautiful famous people suffer from eating disorders definitely it can make it worse can make it a lot worse yes exactly so yeah oh and also if he did have an eating disorder it wasn't created by that one journalist calling him the fat beetle yeah that was oh, mooring cleave a, by the way that, yeah that was that's another thing i see a lot it's like wow Maureen cleave sure created an eating disorder for john that, that's not how it works i'm sure it bothered him a ton yeah this is a good one yeah. anonymous asked why did john write way more than paul in a hard day's night album was he happy about this? Was Paul on a low creative streak? Or just writing less music? That's a weird idea for me. Because it's Paul. <laughs> Did John deliberately keep Paul's songs off the album? Or was he like, pull your weight, Paul? Uh, good question. John's comparative prolificness, on, specifically on A Hard Day's Night, is often cited as evidence that john was the leader in the at least in the early days um i'm not really sure but there were deaf paul definitely wrote a lot of songs in the early years that were given away to other bands for whatever reason it's possible paul was writing less overall than john so paul wrote a couple of hits that didn't make it onto the album right so he wrote um world without love Mm-hmm. which was the number one but i agree isn't the best Beatles song maybe um, well sure i i have no problem with them rejecting it or, or yeah deciding to give it give it away like you said don't bother me that they mm-hmm. rejected it on hard days night the the songs that paul did contribute are very very good so he wrote and i love her can't buy me love and things we said today i mean those are all top tier Beatles songs and john wrote if i fell i'll cry instead which i think is top tier anyway mm-hmm. i'll be back that's a pretty great one he wrote also you can't do that which is a favorite of people's not necessarily mine but definitely a, um, a favorite so according to john i should have known better a hard day's night anytime at all when i get home And tell me why are either primarily or totally his. I'm happy just to dance with you as a co-write with Paul. So yeah, so John comes in pretty strong there. But again, I would say like Paul's three songs on there are very, very strong. So maybe he was writing less. Um, I don't, but I wouldn't call it a low creative streak. I would say it's lower in quantity, but not in quality at all yeah and again you know Lennon and McCartney were writing a lot of songs together still at that time yeah so Paul's putting a lot of energy into those and you know not for nothing but I would say that probably most of these songs by John had a little bit of oversight by Paul right well yeah if we're to believe that what we saw in Let It Be was much much less collaboration than had been the norm before then they were probably collaborating more than that on the Hard Day's Night songs which is to say they were collaborating quite a bit yeah I don't know Anon mm-hmm. there could be something going on with John and Paul's respective engines or it's a bit of an optical illusion okay so songs lennon mccartney gave away paul wrote one and one is two one yeah. and one is two okay so paul wrote from a window that was given away to billy j kramer oh no- that's right i, I like them yeah. mm-hmm. nobody i know i don't even know that's a peter and gordon so that was a paul like dreamers do oh that's the yeah okay i think that's a paul is it mm-hmm. um i'll keep you satisfied that's a paul oh wow love of the loved that's a paul woman that's a peter Mm -hmm. and gordon one that's also paul um okay so most of these were written by paul (laughs) um tip of the tongue i'm not familiar with that one that went to tommy quickly and i'm in love but i'm in love was a john and so was bad to be so john gave away at least two Mm -hmm. paul gave away a lot more paul gave away a lot more i'll be on my way I don't want to see you again. Wow. World without love. It's for you. That's a, actually a great song. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting, actually. That's I would that's I would love name. to know. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's more songs than are of his that are on Hard Day's Night. That's for sure. Uh, that would be an interesting thing to look into. Yeah, I mean, I could. It, I could see how it would look like John is edging Paul out like sort of vetoing a lot of these songs Mm -hmm. but I also think you could just make the case that Paul is writing for genres that the Beatles aren't necessarily playing in and it's exactly I think that speaks more to Paul's versatility than anything else so Mm -hmm. I don't think it's A slide against Paul that these aren't Beatles songs right um I mean I guess the question is was Paul pressed about it like is he trying to get these on Beatles albums exactly I don't even know if we have a lot of evidence for that no I don't I don't think so but all of those that whole list definitely I think answers the question that Paul was definitely not on a low creative streak that's for sure yeah or writing or writing less yeah and again some of these songs are really really good some of them are kind of eh, you know but then so are some hard days night songs she said uh blasphemingly all right anonymous asked after john died yoko reportedly gave paul tapes of four songs along with two letters written by john that were so personal paul has never shared the contents of them with the public So my question is, number one, what do you think is in those letters? And number two, do you think we will ever know? Hmm. So these would presumably be letters John wrote to Paul, but never sent. I think that Anon might be conflating the letters that Paul mentioned Mm -hmm. to Hunter Davies, that he has two letters from John that are too personal to share. Mm -hmm. The tapes that Yoko gave Paul are Free as a Bird, real love now and then and grow old with me are the four songs that yoko gave to paul and there's a story or an urban legend that john had written on the tape for paul which yeah i would love to have that confirmed by somebody anybody i feel like i might i might have actually seen a picture picture of that note and it's possible that it was on there because yoko put them on she was earmarking them but these are the ones i want to send to paul right well that's the speculation is how do we know that yoko didn't write it or did john write it or so i don't Mm -hmm. know if i don't know the story behind that yeah none Um, of those possibilities would be surprising all of those sound totally plausible to me yeah that that john wrote it that yoko wrote it and it just got lost in translation and people just assume that john meant and if it was john that it meant for paul as in send these to paul so he can help me write the, them <laughs> yeah because they're gonna go on our album that we're planning together not or like me. <laughs> not like i wrote <laughs> paul is the object of these songs it'd be weird for him to like make a note of that if i like, die why why I would want, he do that i want paul to have these love songs yeah which isn't to say they weren't written with paul in mind i don't know but john writing for paul would not be evidence of that in my opinion yeah, that's true. I mean, that's not normally what you, right? Well, when you write someone a song, you don't usually <laughs> write it on the on the label. Yeah, and for your own for your own uh, <laughs> for Maharishi. Purposes, <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> put that in the in the shelf in the drawer. I have them all <laughs> organized according to who I wrote them about. Oh, the letters. Yeah, my suspicion, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but. My the vibes i get is that paul doesn't want to be around when those things are made public he doesn't want to talk about them or be asked questions about them or see commentary on them but i do think deep down he wants them to be known so my hope is that they will be released uh as part of a you know memorial letters to and from type work at some point i hope so too because you know he's got them it's not like he burned them if he leaves them to his kids then exactly yeah my fan wink is sometimes i think like <laughs> the kids know the whole story they have all the material they have all they have the full story so or you know three quarters of the whole story or whatever mm-hmm. paul said it'll be up to you you guys can do whatever you want if you don't want people to know if you do want people to know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. If you want to kick it down another generation and have the grandkids publish it because no one will care about it then. Yeah, exactly. Like it'll eventually... Just be part of history. Anonymous asked, Hey, I love your podcast and I'm looking forward to the rest of A Mistake in Many Ways. I was wondering what your opinion on Paul's stepsister Ruth is. Is she a reliable source for info? Thanks so much. I've only read through... Uh, the most sort of interesting portions of Ruth and Angie's writings like once I don't really have an opinion I, I don't see any reason to discount them or to believe them implicitly there's definitely bad blood and then the main I think allegation that they made that got taken up in the press was that Paul didn't uh, didn't help jim financially enough mm. um and then they retracted that afterward after the fact well i think I, I i seem to recall that they complained that after jim died paul mm-hmm. cut um angie the stepmom off yeah which which i think is true but but no they 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 I said I while them, james was alive while jim was alive yeah and I'm he was sorry. ill and and um but i think they gave a figure for how much jim's stipend was or whatever and then it wasn't wasn't sufficient to you know keep him comfortable in his illness okay well seems <laughs> unlikely first thing i have to say about that Hard is um, dearly beloved dad has a gambling problem which paul did finally talk about on howard stern in 2021 But I'd had such a cheap instrument because my dad was very keen on me not getting into debt. He was a sort of working class man and he himself had got into debt or he'd blown all his wages on the horses. And so he had so many cautionary tales. I don't have any fucking opinion on how much money he's given them. That's his business. Who knows what the reasons are? Who knows what happened before? Who knows how fucking Angie manages money? I don't know anything about that. How, well, how, and how much, how much would Jim have been willing to accept for one thing? We can't make judgments about it as outsiders. Who knows what what manner of dynamics are going on under the surface? We just don't know. So this is, this is what I'm going to say is, number one, I haven't read a book by Ruth or Angie, so I don't really know that much i don't think there's any reason to necessarily disbelieve them i don't Mm -hmm. know that they're not credible everybody is always saying everything from their own point of view so we take that with all grains of salt if people in my life sold nasty stories about me to the press and if those stories are about me not giving them enough money now we're in a blackmail situation Mm. you're publicizing bad stories about me not giving you enough money well now you get nothing if it's me i'm cutting those people out of my life now because people who blackmail you should not be part (laughs) of your life you're so right i mean (laughs) what the fuck so anonymous asked so john reportedly tells others that he lets other men gay or bisexual straight give him a bj gives the microphone a bj and get back and this is in no way a sign that he may be bisexual to paul how could paul not question this we've never heard other Beatles say this in parentheses mutual masturbation seems more like same-sex horny experience of youth And why does John tell others about Stu and Brian? That doesn't seem normal for an adult man in his 20s and 30s. Yoko seems more like a mother. Well, Anon, thank you for your message. I'm not entirely sure what you mean. Yeah, same. Uh, There is something definitely potentially bisexual about John miming giving a blowjob to a microphone while staring at Paul, or reporting to others that he's received blowjobs from other men. Yeah, as as far as why would John tell others about Stu and Brian and not about other experiences, which I think is your question the obvious answer would be that Stu and brian are dead by the time john is talking about it so yeah or maybe that's all there is to tell yeah could be that doesn't seem normal for an adult man in his 20s and 30s i mean i think it seems perfectly normal i yeah i i agree if if by that you mean Mm -hmm. sexual experiences with other men Or telling his friends about those experiences. Yeah, I mean, just for the record, like I don't think that experiences make you bi or gay or pin or whatever. I don't think your experiences make you whatever your orientation is, first of all. I know how that can sound sort of dumb if I'm like, well, having gay sex doesn't make you gay. <laughs> you know, I can see where someone will go, what, well, then what, what, you know? I can hear the pushback, but I'm being serious. Like, your sexual identity, I mean, lots of people have all kinds of sex that has says nothing about their sexual identity. People have sex for money. People have sex for exchange of goods, mobility and resources and uh, status and, People do it to get people to like them because they love people and they want to please them. People do it just because they're horny. I mean, to all kinds of different fucking reasons that people have sex. You can't know somebody's inner thoughts and feelings about their sexuality based on one or two incidents. Oh, well, That's true. I just try, I like to, whenever I can, to separate sexuality and sex. Because those are two different things. If you're saying, like, well, if this man is talking about having sex with other men, wouldn't that be, as you put it aside, wouldn't that be a, a hint that he may be bisexual? And I, yes, it's a good hint. Um, It's not conclusive. Right, because John never came out. Yeah. And if he didn't, even if he came out to his wife or other people around him but he didn't come out to Paul specifically then I can understand why Paul wouldn't necessarily make that leap this mm-hmm. is why it's good to talk openly about these things well it's not like John was above just doing something super provocative just for the sake of doing something super provocative yeah I mean the the microphone doesn't necessarily mean anything <laughs> Yeah, ex- except for what it means. Yeah, but I mean, Daphne and I make all kinds of rude gestures at each other to make each other <laughs> laugh, right? <laughs> we do. Yeah, so sometimes it's just funny. It's just funny, yeah. But it's definitely... I guess my thing is there's definitely the fact that that is what he is doing. Whether that means anything is, yes, is up a to, different to anyone too. But, but what I what makes me laugh is when people are denying that that's what John is doing in that moment it's like no come on now come on now yeah if you move your wrist back and forth and like push your tongue in your cheek yeah it's a blowjob we know what it looks like that's (laughs) what that means yes you're making a blowjob joke yeah if you put if you make a peace sign and then shove your tongue between the v (laughs) we know what that means it's not a subtle joke (laughs) I think we've never heard other Beatles say this. Mutual masturbation seems more like same-sex horny experiences of you. So I think you're saying we've never heard the other Beatles talk about getting blowjobs from guys. I think that's what that means. Yes, and I, I think that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they haven't had the right. pleasure. Right. Or maybe they just don't talk as much as John does. I don't know. Well, I think that most people don't talk as much as John does. Uh, amen. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Anonymous at this might be the same Anon, I'm not sure. Because I think these came close together. But I'm bumped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Okay. Anonymous asked. I love how men that are close to John are always wanting to go down on him, but I guess he just doesn't return the favor. <laughs> sure. Is it possible he wouldn't have shared these stories with his bestie? Or recreate this in Paris with Paul? Oh boy. He seems to be wanting to project that others desired him, but he never desired men. In some press conference, he imitates gay men in exaggerated mannerisms, so I think he dislikes the idea of enjoying same-sex encounters. He knew how to blow a mic. <clears throat> True. John, just like all the other Beatles, definitely displayed a uh, behavior of casual homophobia. Yep. That essentially has zero bearing on his own identity or feelings about gay sex. True. It Um, could be internalized homophobia. It could be just regular garden variety, latent homophobia. It could be nervousness or a desire to fit in by making fun of the gays you know, thus bolstering your identity as one of the not gays because that's just an easier place to inhabit for a celebrity in 1964. My take is I think he's attracted to men and I think he is to a certain degree conscious of that and I think he is to a certain degree self-conscious about that. So Mm. I think he likes to, on the one hand, sort of queer bait but then on the other (laughs) hand be like but i don't mean it that's just kind of pretty typical of you know a guy who's looked up to mostly by straight men lives in the world of straight men and has straight person privilege Mm -hmm. so yeah i think he just sort of takes advantage of that and in the 60s i don't think he's at the point where his queer pride is so you know, solidified that he's not above doing that. <clears throat> not at all. I think as time goes on, you know, I think he definitely comes more into his queer pride in the 70s when it becomes more of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's and he's gotten over the Arthur of Yes. When he realizes it's something about him he can actually embrace instead of something mm-hmm. that he can feel shame about. Um, and... I, In terms of disliking the idea of enjoying same-sex encounters, I don't even know that I agree with that. You know, just my candid take on this is, I think John is very interested in gay sex, has been since the 60s. I mean, you can see it in his writing, both in the 60s and in the 70s, in his Mm -hmm. skywriting, in Spaniard in the works. I mean, there's a lot of gay sex in those books yes there is not in a disgusted way in a very like intrigued way and also to point to the collage he made for Eldon john like the birthday collage where he like cut out all the little dicks and posted them together in this cute collage <laughs> and stuff again yeah. i'm not saying that that makes him gay or bi just by making a piece of art but i'm just saying like I definitely think he's not disgusted or repulsed. I think he found that really refreshing and fun. Mm -hmm. Like if you're disgusted by looking at guys' dicks, you're not going to be, you know, (laughs) purchasing and clipping (laughs) a gay beauty mag. For fun. For fun. Is it possible that he didn't tell Paul? I think it's very possible that he didn't tell Paul in detail about getting a blowjob from Brian or from Stu. Mm -hmm. I don't think Paul wants to hear either of those stories. I agree. In fact, I don't think there's any way that he would want to hear either of those stories. Yeah. Which, for all we know, encouraged John to tell him, watch him (laughs) run away. For all we know, we're wrong. For all we know, Paul's like, please tell me in exquisite detail whether (laughs) Stu sucked your dick good or not. (laughs) I can't wait to hear all about it, John. Please. Go on. Continue. Tell me more. Would this happen usually while I was rehearsing? Yeah, right? Yeah, is this before or after you got him in the band? This is before Mm. after I had to tolerate (laughs) his shitty shitty bass playing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and this thing with Brian. Okay. Was that before or after you guys decided to put my name last? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even homophobia aside, let's assume Paul is the most enlightened man on the planet. And he's like, (laughs) cool. No, that's cool. I I definitely want to hear about your gay sex experiences. (laughs) Why wouldn't I? I'm your best friend. Hello. It's 1962. (laughs) Of course I want to hear about them. (laughs) Homophobia aside, there's still multiple there's complicating stuff. factors that exactly. would make be like, eh, can I don't you feel... not? Yeah, yeah. like I don't feel great about you fucking our manager. Right. Or about this guy who I don't want in the band. Um, Because that makes me even more resentful that he's here. I thought he was here because of favoritism. I didn't know how far the favoritism extended. Yeah, I didn't know that there were actual favors involved. But also, if john thinks that paul is going to find those stories distasteful um i mean we honestly we don't have any evidence that paul was homophobic in the sense that like he didn't want to be around gay people or that he thought it was wrong right at all ever yeah um we we have evidence that he was mildly uncomfortable talking Mm -hmm. about details of it you know Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but i think at worst at worst paul was like i'm totally fine with it everybody should be able to do whatever they want i just don't really want to hear about it you know Mm -hmm. that's even uh apart from any sort of uh romantic tension between john and paul so if john likes paul and he's afraid that paul's kind of squick about Gay stuff, then why the fuck is he going to tell Paul, like, oh, by the way, I've done some gay stuff and Mm -hmm. I kind of liked it? Oh, no, I mean, that's totally cool, John. I mean, that's, that's, you should do what you want to do. And this will definitely not change anything about our relationship. But now I'm going to be a little bit weird about like sharing a bed with you or getting too close to you or like, yeah, if, if we get having sex in the same bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our usual you know now when we get drunk and make out i'm gonna think that there's <laughs> something gay happening to it which <laughs> that's a joke folks so um or, or not i don't know but the <laughs> point is <laughs> um if he thinks it's gonna make things weird between them then he definitely would not ever bring it up yeah, I definitely I definitely think it is possible that this whole thing was a present but unspoken elephant in the room in their relationship. It's also possible they talked about it sometimes. Yeah. You know. But it's stuff def- but it's also possible they never did. They just never they just by <laughs> mutual tacit agreement.
1: They yes. just averted their
0: eyes and did not mention the elephant in the room. Or <laughs> not, you know. Yeah. Or maybe they were open about it the whole time. Paul knew everything and he just doesn't like talking about it to outsiders. Mm -hmm. That's very possible as well. Okay. Anonymous asked, wow, I am so impressed at how much thoughtful reflection you gave to my questions. This is a follow-up to something we already answered. I believe that if John and Paul lived in today's time, there could have been a different type of relationship that they explored. I think the Northern English culture... And homophobia may have been enough to dissuade Paul from further intimacy with John. Since John kept seeking connection with Paul through the post-breakup era, I believe John realizes he was mistaken about Paul and regretted turning away from him. Uh, Do you have any Uh, thoughts on this, Debbie? uh, Well, I think that all of those are reasonable speculations to make. Homophobia is a very powerful force. Uh, A lot of people in the world (laughs) are not straight. A lot of people in the world who are not straight never explore that side of themselves Hmm. because of homophobia and any other number of reasons. So none of this would... None of this, honestly, none of this should be surprising to anyone, in my opinion. Mm. You know, if we we were to discover... (laughs) Like, it's just, that's my thing all the time. It's like, are you, you, uh, people fall in love a lot. People have sex a lot. Yeah. It's It's kind of what humans do. It's really (laughs) not unusual or shocking. Yeah. That's true. You know, I've seen this theory floated before and I'm kind of like a maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. For me so i guess it just sort of depends on how much the relationship was influenced by the culture of the time mm-hmm. and w- what part like societal homophobia played in it because mm-hmm. part, you know part of me is like yeah that's a real thing and it's definite you know it's real and it's dangerous and all that kind of stuff so uh, i'm not dismissing it ever but the other part of me is like that can't be all of it, though. Because ultimately, you you want what you want. And if you want something that bad, then you do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, mm, Sure. Out, outside, you know, opinions be damned. I don't know how much that's going to control your behind closed doors intimate behavior. You know, I don't know. Well it's not like john or paul had great impulse control sexually (laughs) they had no need to have that these are guys who for years had constant access to any kind of sex they could possibly want and they were around each other all the time for years Mm. alone intoxicated behind closed doors stewing in all kinds of intense love for each other and codependency and intimacy and being the only ones who really understood each other and all of that. So while I definitely think societal pressure is a real thing and it can alter people's behavior, for John and Paul, John and Paul in particular are a case where I think that societal pressure alone would not have been enough to, <laughs> to stop them from doing whatever they wanted to do. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the point. So this is all sort of predicated on the assumption that they both want it deep down, which I don't know that that's even necessarily the case. Well, right, exactly. Because if they do both want it deep down, I feel like it would have happened. Right. And maybe it did. Like, it's possible that they did have physical intimacy that we don't know about. If they didn't, then there must be a different reason. There's something else. And yeah, John did keep seeking connection with paul through the post breakup era but i would say the same is true for paul as well he also kept seeking connection sure let's see um john realizes he was mistaken about paul and regretted turning away from him i mean uh, maybe i would be more inclined to believe that john wonders if he was mistaken about paul (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know the rest of the time feels like no i knew for damn sure yeah so i would say that that regret fluctuated as well and probably that's true for paul also yeah. so i don't i don't think any of that's one-sided the regret <laughs> the, the desire Belonging, to reconnect right? yeah like i think all of it's <laughs> mutual the yearning the anger yeah and it's going to be slightly different in different ways on both sides because they are different people but yeah it's definitely a mutual relationship yeah anonymous asked hi i am still working my way through episodes so maybe you've already touched on this but would you ever do an episode on all the relationships paul was juggling in 68 69 (laughs) (laughs) and how it impacted his relationship with john and the rest of the beatles i just read a quote from maggie mcgivern about how paul came to her flat two days before he married linda and had a breakdown and i'm fascinated by the levels of compartmentalization he must have had going on would love to hear other thoughts all the relationships well first of of all we don't we couldn't because we don't know about all the relationships (laughs) yeah right we probably know about the tip of the iceberg (laughs) yeah and actually i think it was that's what maggie said it was the night before i think that he married london yeah yeah he was a flaming hot mess yeah not doing well um Mm -hmm. that that said probably probably not anon (laughs) although i'd love to to listen to one because it would be (laughs) fascinating and darkly amusing yeah i wish we had more info about it really i mean we kind of have to cobble together a bunch of stuff i mean there's Mm -hmm. a lot of skanky stuff from the dirty weekend Mm -hmm. let's just say linda was not paul's only (laughs) lady friend Lady friend <laughs> Dirty weekend. I mean that weekend was probably a long weekend, three whole days. What he's well, gonna limit himself to one person. Yeah, although I think the others were mainly like hors d'oeuvres, right? Because sure. at some point he was like, All right, all you other hoes get away. I'm Clear gonna out spend the rest of the weekend with the real Linda. the real go- girlfriends coming. Exactly. Um, although there was some overlap, I think. No doubt but she rolled with it she's like oh there's other hoes here that's fine i know i'm the real bitch and he's like damn you are the real bitch and then there's his uh his trash time with um oh oh yeah and he was also a big emotional mess or just very very messy period for him you know with breakdowns and rages and all that good stuff well and he was still together with jane for half of that time Mm -hmm. so i'm sorry he was engaged (laughs) he had a u.s girlfriend he had uh maggie on the side and he had francie and then he had a bunch of other like half-dressed hoes in the house Mm yeah i would say probably at least one or two other semi-regular relationships that have never come forward, a la Maggie. Yeah, that's probably guess. true. Yeah. There's a Winona in the United States. There was a, there was a girl in every port, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and no also um, Peggy. And Peggy Lipton is yeah, well. Yeah, Peggy Lipton. Yeah. She got a booty call from Paul. Um, <laughs> Dear When Lord. she was in LA, yeah. Are and you? then I think she said she showed up at the at the um, <laughs> at yeah. the hotel, and was turned away because Linda was there. Oh God, he's trash. Just <laughs> what a trash. garbage man! <laughs> oh. you come over here and sit on my desk <sighs> and then she shows up and he's like, Never no, "No, someone's, Send the, her oh, someone's away. Already There, <laughs> she likes animals, so it's the real deal with her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> Good day. I just want to be fucked till I pass out. <laughs> and then I will wake up, have more sex, ride around on a boat. <laughs> Maybe go for a swim. Drunk, stoned. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hopefully, don't drown. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, yes, no, we're not gonna do an episode because but that's a preview of what it would sound like. So would, I don't know how productive it would be. It would it would definitely not be up to whatever, standards. Whatever standards of thoughtfulness and professionalism we have would not meet them. It was just us dunking on Paul the whole time. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun, though. (laughs) (laughs) Except for the parts where he's, like, collapses in tears. Yes, and is pounding the pavement with his fists. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not good. It's definitely not good. And he's doing a lot of drugs and drinking. Yeah. Oof, poor guy. (laughs) But again. Poor, Poor garbage. Trash. He didn't struggle uh, with fame like the rest mm. of the sensitive Beatles. Paul is an extremely strong, resilient, tough person. He's also a delicate, little, sensitive flower. Yeah. He can be both. Hello, Beetle fan. Do you like beverages? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to drink your liquid of choice from colorful, durable ceramic? Or do you prefer to take your coffee and or tea on the go? How about in a sleek, insulated, stainless steel travel mug? I like to wear 100% ring-spun cotton. Oh, me too, Daphne. Isn't it the best? It is. I especially like hoodies, long-sleeve tees, and women's cuts in varieties such as dolman, slouchy, curvy, v-neck, relaxed, and classic fit. Not to mention the colors. So many color options. If you would like a piece of clothing or a drinking apparatus featuring our beautiful logo created by Brazilian artist Clara Camelotto, we'd like to invite you to our merch store at TeePublic. You can order teas, hoodies, mugs, stickers, magnets, tote bags, masks, Masks. and a plethora of other items. That's right. Go to teepublic.com. They have not only another kind of mine merch, but also lots of other fun items for sale. And you can find our store there. We'll put a little link in the show notes just to make your life easy. <laughs> <laughs> the <fuck is> this? <laughs> Let me take a sip from my another kind of mine. <laughs> Drinking apparatus. <laughs> hydration facilitator. Thank goodness my ACOM drinking apparatus was nearby. It saved my life just now while I was choking. (laughs) (laughs) A hoodie might save your life if you were freezing in some (laughs) zero degree weather. (laughs) An ACOM sticker (laughs) could seal a wound. wound. (laughs) (laughs) A ACOM t-shirt could be soaked in water and put on your head to ward off heat stroke. (laughs) It could be used as a tourniquet. kit. ACOM <laughs> travel mug could be used to brain a hostile intruder. Not to mention it can gather rainwater. You're ever <laughs> abandoned in the wilderness. And a tote bag could be manually altered into a tent. <laughs> or a rickshaw for dragging a wounded compatriot from the woods it could be breathed into during a panic attack <laughs> <clears throat> as you can see we're both in fabulous health <laughs> thanks to our ACOM merchandise <laughs> a mask might save your life or the life of someone you love that's right so head to Public for more life-saving ACOM products <laughs> Tee Public has periodic sales as well, so keep an eye out for those 35% off deals. By the way, oh. we are legally obligated to say that none of those items can save your life.